Extra time drama in the bronze medal matches. Jovika Ranišević signs off with a medal at the end of her Montenegrin career. That drains all the energy out of the arena, and we somehow have to play a final minutes later. Denmark look great for 45 minutes, but then realize they're about to win the European Championship, and Norway win the title for a ninth time in 15 attempts. It's the Uninformed Handball Hour live on Twitch with our final podcast of the championship. It's Chris O'Reilly here and Alex Kulesh to my left right beside me. And Alex, but first of all, hello. Hi, Chris. <laughs> been here, been been here, here all, all day. Well, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We've been broadcasting together for about six hours, but those of you listening uh, on the recorded podcast, uh, this is the end of our, our reign here in the studio. And as is now tradition at the end of these tournaments, while Brian Campion, our third man, is running around the arena like a madman, we bring in a bit of subtle class into the trio <laughs> with Nedzad Smilagic <laughs> in. Yeah, I will take it, I will take that. Uh, welcome, <laughs> Nedzad, how you doing? Thank you, thank you, Chris. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. And thank you for having me uh, once again. It's a joy to have you back on. Uh, where, do, where do we start? We we'll start at the top. Shall we? Top of the podium. Top of the podium? Top of the podium. Uh, we have to start with the final. Even yeah. though <laughs> the third place match was the big Bliss. highlight yes. of the day, I think. So, <laughs> so, final. I'm still trying to react to it because I feel a little bit deflated, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah you, that hit you hard. I, it did. I think I just... A lot of hope came into me, and I, I realized as the match went on just how much I wanted Denmark to win. <laughs> you, know, you know what happens sometimes. You're like, oh, I don't really mind. I want a nice final. I want a nice game. And after actually being exhausted from the third place playoff yeah. and getting into the game and watching Denmark play wonderful handball, they played just this beautiful flowing style. Mm getting the ball out, making gaps, getting it to the wing, shooting over when needed. It, it just looked amazing. But there's just... Uh, no one was comfortable at halftime, right? There's no one that was comfortable. And I, everyone kind of expected Norway to just come back because that's what they do. Did you expect that, Nejad? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I really liked how Denmark played. I must admit, I really, I really. Liked. The first half they dominated Norway. I don't know if, if you guys agree with me. I, I saw it like that. I saw Norway in 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 a really bad situation because we. I think we spoke after after the first half, and I said it's very hard for Norway to play when you have in the first half a really bad performance from Stine Oftedal and Henny Reistad. So that's like two key players. Uh, in the second half, I, I was really lucky to be really close to the court, and I you can feel the tension that, that Danish players had and also the, the bench. Even though, uh, as Chris said, they played like the first 15 minutes of the second half also quite good. There's, a, there's a, this yeah. kind of good cushion with plus three, plus four margin, which was okay, and then, yeah, Katrina Lunde in a way took over, yeah. and Again, as Chris perfectly said, I think the fear of, oh, f- uh, maybe we will be the European champions, what then? I, I, all, all spot on. I, I think I want to go back first to that first half because you mentioned there the, uh, the fact that Henny Reista and Oftedal were basically non-factors in it. Uh, Nora Merck was kind of single-handedly dragging them through. But Denmark looks so damn comfortable in attack and in defense, but most importantly in attack which just looked so impressive, and they looked completely fearless. And uh, somehow, at the end of that 30 minutes, they were only three goals up, and I still don't understand why. I'll I'll tell you why. Tell me, please. Uh, The 7-on-6 didn't work. That, it gave Norway energy in the middle of that half, Mm -hmm. and it reduced the score to just three when it didn't look like it, because... Two empty net goals. Two empty net goals in a row... And uh, I don't remember the exact score at the time, but it basically, Norway had only scored five goals after 21 minutes. And they got two in a row, got it up to seven. Mm-hmm. So that just gave Norway energy out of nowhere. And uh, my key for uh, Denmark winning a medal was the seven on six working. It did the first time they beat Norway. 
it didn't today. Yeah. And you made a point just before we went on about midway through that second half where they were kind of flip-flopping about whether to go seven versus six again. What was your perspective? Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was really looking closely at the bench. They, put, they played, I think, two attacks, seven against six. It was okay. They were a bit lucky because Rastad missed the, the empty net goal. And then there was a really, for, for me, because I'm, I was looking a lot at, on the bench and, and on, on Jensen, there was a huge confusion should we send a seven player? Who, which seven player are we missing? Is the line player or backward player? Nobody was sure. Sander Toft, I think, went in and went out for three times. Then there was always a fourth substitution. And from that point on time, uh, it may, it may, it's maybe now stupid to say because Norway obviously win. I was quite sure that Norway will win. Mm. Because on Norway's bench, I just saw really calm faces. Even though, I don't know, I remember I think Malin Ona missed three or four shots in a row when they have a really good opportunity to come back. Because it's always like Denmark has a two-goal margin or three-goal margin. Norway comes to two, then Denmark again three. And then for me, uh, just to wrap this up, to really my huge, huge congratulations to the Norway bench in the most crucial, mo- or not cr- most crucial moments, but the one, one point in the second half, uh, they put Oftedal out, they put Breistol in, mm. and she scores a goal for, to equalize and then a goal to put them in front. I, was, I, was, I thought that was the first time that Norway was in front. No, it was before. I think the Arendal scored an empty net goal, yep. uh, as Alex said, so seven against six was a problem. And this mastermind coaching, from my perspective, to put, to put Breistol in, take Oftedal out, she scores two goals, they are in front, yep. and then Norway is comfortable. Then yep. the game goes in their direction. It's not the obvious thing to do, and that's what we discussed as well, we because about that. we were wondering, okay, why... In this situation, when Raista is clearly not having a good game at all, but she's being forced in there, Raista comes in, and then it, it kind of I thought about it, and I was like, okay, they have the two big shooters in there, because uh, nothing else is working. The, the speed and moving with the ball, the Denmark were comfortable with, so we're just going to go route one. And almost as soon as that was said, but I still scores the first of those two goals, and it's like, ah, that changes things. And then finally, then the last few minutes, Oftedal can. I come mean, in. I would li- just to, I would like to ask the coach. If, if the, the purpose was also to put her in attack. Because I thought in the, in the first seconds, okay, he, he wants her in defense because she's big. Let's stop seven against six. Let's make the, the, like the spaces closer. Let's put a lot of hands there. But then she went in attack. Yeah. Two out of two in, I don't know, two minutes. And that was it. But Denmark's defense was also just so good in that first half. Uh, I think throughout the game, still, it, it yeah. was good. Um, they made this unbelievable middle block. Uh, and gave everything to the wings. And in the first half, Norway just refused to give the ball to the wings. Nora Merck, the amount of times that to her right was about three meters of space as Emma Fries was literally standing right in front of her, uh, the, the right winger, always free. Nora Merck would still go inside and try to make something happen. And sometimes she still did. She somehow got it to the line a bunch of times. She got through a bunch of times. But that middle block was compact and keeping Norway out. Instead of going through it or around it, Norway decided to go over it and it worked. And eventually they did start spreading the play outside. Uh, the wingers getting the ball a little bit, but in the end, the, the wingers were a weakness for Norway, uh, just 50% yeah. shooting for Anderson and um, Malin Auna yeah. uh, on the right wing as well. Yeah. And it was the right coaching decision from Denmark and the right defensive decision to let those shoot. But when Norway actually started spreading their attack a little bit, it, it helped them. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. I'm just wondering, like, hearing all of this and discussing this, is like, besides the mental side of it, what Denmark could have done differently because you know conceding 27 goals you have a chance to win you know if you consider also how many goals they scored in the previous encounter you see how many goals they scored in the first half here they were on course if everything went normally and the attack kept doing what it was doing before uh maybe that answers the question it is only mental what they could have done differently to fine margins yeah fine margins and as you were saying uh denmark needed to be 90 95 percent today and they were 85, 90. Yeah. And it's just not enough uh, at, the, at the highest level to beat Norway, who um, didn't, still didn't have the best game. No. But and, that, and that's it. It was like, it's still early in that second half when you expect Norway, like they did against France in the World Championship final last year, just four goals straight away. Boom, turn the game around. That didn't happen. Norway had an extra player, extra woman for two minutes, didn't get a goal from it. 
And you're like, oh, all these things are actually going Denmark's way. <laughs> Yet mm-hmm. still, Denmark aren't putting it to bed, and Norway just have new things to try. Then London comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then yeah. comes yeah, in. They, they, just, they, keep, that, yeah. they keep creating <sighs> these London, the cheat code. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was on that side. So she came in, and, and when Chris asked, like, what Denmark could have done differently, I had a really, I had a feeling that they didn't want to shoot out from, like, seven or eight meters. I had her, because Annemette Hansen was really close to the defense. She was, her foot was, like, at seven-meter mm. line. Mm. And if you, as Annemette Hansen, don't want to shoot from there... I think that it was not not only Katrina Lunde, but a mixture yeah. of fear to win the championship combined That's with it. Katrina Lunde, yeah. then combined with Emma Fries missing, uh, let's say, her third shot in the entire tournament. <laughs> but yeah. the, the shot. The again, shot I today. mean, Lunde did not... I think did, she made three spectacular saves, yeah. two which were okay, and she received, I think, four goals that she would normally save. So it was like not a save percentage, but like the saves in the perfect mm-hmm. time. And for me, it was because I was, I was watching the first half with Duda Amorim, uh, and I was saying that if Louise Burgard plays defense for Denmark, then Norway should attack her. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, she's always been changing, not the perfect defensive player, but also in attack. I was not quite sure how she will handle this. Then she played really good first half. And then in the second half, that was dub- double fault, technical mistake at plus two for Norway. Okay, the last shot was... Yep. I-, I will not mention happen. it yeah, yet, yeah. but before yeah. that was a technical mistake that maybe then just finished it off for, for Norway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, in a way for Denmark quite devastating. I mean, I think you're going to feel it for a while, Alex. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's uh, it's only now. I mean, it's in these tough moments that you realize that that's where your heart. Yeah, lay. yeah. And I've been enamored with this team. Yeah. I think uh, speaking to them as well and kind of being around them throughout this tournament has. Uh, I don't know. They have some nice characters in the team, yeah. and they have this nice team spirit. And I just, I just feel bad for Sandra Toft. I, I, you know, watching her tears after the semi-final. Mm. was uh, just this beautiful moment where like all the tension was just released like years of tension yeah. for Toft was released and she just couldn't hold back the tears then into this final that moment where uh, the shot went through her hands and that was it she was done she knew the game was over and the shot from Reistad it was yeah, a shot from Reistad and Reistad had a bad game yeah <laughs> Yeah. But it, and it, she had a really bad game. Three from eight. Three from yeah. eight, and but the, uh, two the, two of those goals coming in the last ten minutes, yeah. exactly. crucially, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you just got to wonder what it'll be like for Sandra going back into training with Jared and seeing uh, Oftedal and just like. Yeah, yeah but there, there was a clash, uh, no, not a clash, but there was a, a really close contact between Anamette Hansen yeah. and Oftedal in the last yeah. minute. So I, I mean, yeah. But Alex, I know that you adore Sandra Toft. She played an amazing tournament, but was there? A smallest reason for Jensen maybe to put Altea Reinhardt in the last ten minutes. I think that Wouldn't might be, have. Yeah. Uh, she was I, warming up. She was. Yeah. Yeah. Was I, I think it might have been. Uh, I don't know. The, as I asked her as well, it, it felt like uh, this tournament, Sandra Toft was absolute number one. Number two, if needed, yeah. was Altea Reinhardt compared to the last tournaments where it was quite equally split. I asked if that was something that. Uh, was a conscious decision, and Sandra said no. Yeah, you can't know this thing. Yeah, you can't know this thing. It's yeah. just her performances, and it's not you know. It's a little bit strange because we talk about the special positions for each Danish player and the special talks and the have, mm. and it's a bit strange for me that uh, this kind of decision to keep Sandra on at all times wasn't communicated. Uh, so maybe it was, but uh, I felt that. Uh, if you allowed Altea a little bit more time in this tournament, maybe you'd be more confident with bringing her on. Just when uh, Norway were just starting to turn the screw, you could have brought Altea on. And Altea can do uh, something special. She, yeah. she can make a big save. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's also like, she's bigger. Yeah. So the probability that uh, these balls from, from Breistol or Reistad will just hit her somewhere in the hand are a bit are a bit higher, yeah. but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's obviously for us easy yeah. to say. So yeah, yeah. Um, just quickly on uh, on looking at the the future here for for these two teams, and what's quite scary. I mean, it's it's scary what Norway have done over over the last few years, but now they've just played a final where they were like I don't know seven out of ten, or uh, with a championship where they've had seven newcomers in the team and not have the same rotation and flow as usual. 
but still managed to pull it out of the bag in the final weekend. And that says a lot about the team and the mentality and the coaching and and the key players I like Norma. It says it right? about the top players because yeah. we we talk about these seven players that come in, but they barely played. Like they really didn't contribute too much throughout the tournament. They put away their shots in the rare times the wingers got the ball. Yeah, the wings were new and, and Ingsta wasn't new, but she was Ingsta a first really choice line player for the that, first time. That is true. Yeah. I think the uh, big player that stepped up and they needed her to step up in this tournament was Ingsta. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But overall, it was what? Just uh, Merck, uh, Oftedal and Henny constantly... Yeah. Um, yeah. Just stepping up for them. For me, it was the number 33. I was just <laughs> not, not Googling her name. I was just going to the stats. It's the uh, Dela, the 22-year-old from Molde, who played quite decent, not a lot of minutes, but the minutes that she became, uh, that she played were really good both in defense and attack. She in defense really good, especially. Yeah, because in, in, in second defense. half, she had this, I think at the beginning of the second half, she had this a pass to line yeah. player, really good one, and also in this, at 22 years old from Molde. So that's like yeah. something. I really like her because I noticed her also in the semifinals, there was like one one against one situation that she, uh, I will just say Luisa Burgard for Eduarda, and then I will stop, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, played for me, I will not say a crucial role, but really good for, let's say, five, seven or ten minutes yeah. that she, that she, that she yeah, become. Yeah. But it's scary that they can still come out on top after all of that. <laughs> yeah. And for Denmark, then, where, what does the future hold for them? We said fourth, third, second now in consecutive tournaments. They've experienced the final now. They've experienced the heartbreak. That can, that can be a very good thing for them as well. They seem to be a team that are learning lessons all the time and developing all the time. Will it be the same again? For next year, I think they need to find their star. Yes, you mentioned the star. I, I think the star? they just need it. Yes. It's what qualifies as a star. The as player in not Sandra Toft, like a, you need a, a backcourt star. A, a backcourt star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a backcourt star, and they need one to just take the game by the scruff of the neck when it's needed, like Nora Merck mm-hmm. did today when no one was firing around around her. She was. She just said, "I'm going to win this game." And we've seen different players for Norway step up. They have a bunch of stars mm. that do it. And right now for Denmark, Jesper Jensen's the star. Because it's the systems that are working so well. The, you know, the crucial kind of scruff and neck moments is, okay, we're going to go with seven on six now. That's a coaching decision. They drew up a play and they play, they, that was that beautiful in-flight goal yep. for Luisa Burgard. That was Jesper Jensen doing that. And of course, Sandra Toft is a star. So, but an outfield player needs to just take, that, take more shots and kind of will the team to win. And out of those backcourt players... I don't know who it is, really. I yeah. think they all have I would, a chance to do it. I would tip at Mia Hurlund. Yeah. I think she has she has the, that mentality. I, I, I think she had a bad luck with a couple of injuries. So she had, uh, I think, mm. three years ago, Chris, maybe really good season in the Champions League. Then there were a couple of injuries, and then she's slowly coming back. In my opinion, not, the things that I saw now really close to the court, she is the one that has this charisma and, and obviously intelligence and handball skills and everything. But she is the one that your eyes got stuck on yeah. when, when mm. Denmark plays. So. She, can, she can at a given time do anything, yeah. which, yeah. Is, yeah. which is a, a great thing. And, and just looking here at the, the ages of the squad here, so Mia Hoyland there, 25 years old, just turned 25. Right, then you have Michaela Muller, who's kind of the wild card of the team at the moment, 22, still incredibly young. Um, Christina Jorgensen, 24. Uh, Mana Tramborg, 26. So you have... Uh, and then uh, Simona Pedersen, who showed as well what she's capable of against Norway, 25. So they've got 22, 24, 25, 25, 26. That's, that's a team with another you know, seven, eight years in it. But they need but to be allowed... one or two of them take over? But they need to be allowed to take over, I think. We, saw, we talk about Mia Hoyland here. Mm. And in this tournament, uh, she got a, such a specific role of coming in just an attack. She, she plays defensive uh, d- in defense for her club. Yeah. Many times she multiple times takes over 10 shots a game. That's something that she does and can do. But she was told in this tournament, you're playing after the transition phase in the set attack. Yeah. And that's where we need you. Yeah. And 
it, it worked to an extent, but it, it, to win a final, uh, it's you know I don't want to be too critical because you know they were it, that that system got them to the final. It, yeah. it got them right. to the yeah. final, and it got yeah. them. Uh, but I think yeah, it's, it's hard to compare. But I think you still need a star to win those big games. Yeah, but didn't need Lena it. Your favorite player. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I wanted to say maybe it's it's obviously it's not only the national level. It it ha- needs to have something with the club competition. Yeah. So it, or the club choice. So is it maybe the best thing to move to a top club, maybe to win the Champions League, and in that case to form yourself to come back to Denmark as a star to the yeah. national team. I mean, as a star, mm-hmm. is maybe that a factor? I don't want to say that Team Esbjerg. Yeah. Or any other Danish, obviously, Vipers are, are well, winning yeah. the Champions League. But Team Esbjerg could win it, but yeah. then the star is going to be Henny Reistad. Yeah, right? that, so yeah, that's the, yeah, the that's support cast Maybe for me earned Norwegian. in, in yeah, I, don't know, I don't know, in two or three years in Ingeur, and then you earn your reputation, and then you come back as a, as a star with the national team. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point and uh, it's a good position to be in that, uh, that's, that's, there's the option there's a possibility for all those players I can see all of, any of those players being that but uh, all of them have bought into being in a system so whatever happens whatever that system may evolve into whether it's someone like Erland who's the run and gun 10-12 shots a game then the rest of the team will, will support that if it means winning a championship because that's really mm-hmm. what it's about at the end of the day now that they've tasted Bitter defeat. <laughs> um, we've, I've had this message here for a while. Brian coming up might make it to live. Uh, Clements, is Brian coming up? <laughs> oh, the message is gone. Uh, so maybe let's talk about the bronze medal game because I want to get your perspective on the bronze medal game as a, a fellow Balkan. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I would say it like this. I'm really sorry for Gras Adi and I'm extremely happy for Montenegro. I'm extremely happy for the entire country, for their fans. I think... Uh, I think I said it on, on Friday evening to my, to my colleague, uh, the bronze medal game will be, normally it's not so spectacular, but the Montenegrin fans will make it even more spectacular. They were a bit lucky also that today there's a football game between Montenegro and Slovenia, right. so yeah. there were even more fans here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know that the girls from Montenegro like to use words like energy, like passion. I saw that on the court. I don't want to say that France did not have the energy. I don't want to say that France did not wanted to win, but there's always this commentary sentence that commentators say, not Chris, but some, <laughs> average, some average commentators. I think that Montenegro just wanted it slightly more today mm-hmm. to, be, to be on the... On the yeah, it was one to, of those classic... One question for you, Chris. Me, yeah. What do Montenegro have to do to win a medal at we, this championship? We just saw it. That's a question, a question Alex has been asking for, for two weeks. My answer has always been yes. They, they, I don't know if I ever gave the definitive answer. Key parts of it was to phone it in against France. Uh, they ended up doing that against Netherlands. They did the opposite of it. They didn't protect their squad. They damaged it even further as Milena Rajcevic couldn't play in the bronze medal game today. But they managed to go somehow even deeper into the squad. I mean, yeah, yeah, deeper, we say 10 can players. I, can I answer that question? Go on. I think that, especially today, Montenegro needed a crazy game. Montenegro needed today more than just a handball game. Because if they play a normal handball game against France, without Rajcevic, they will lose. Yeah. Today was not a normal handball game. Today was everything besides a normal handball yeah. game. And that's, that's something that Montenegro needed today and got today with the red card of Kurbic. Before that, with craziness and penalties and whatever, they got that and they, yeah, they were a bit more luckier, I would say. Yeah. And I just want to recap this, uh, that crazy game, because yeah, traditionally the bronze medal game is a game that uh, a lot of people don't watch. And they missed out on an absolute showcase. Uh, it was an extra time victory for Montenegro, 27-25. At full time, it was 22-22 after uh, Montenegro went into the lead with about five seconds left. Jokovic dragging her destroyed body somehow (laughs) into a nine-meter shot and scoring to make it 22-21. France got the ball and were starting a fast break. Uh... But Gerbic uh, decided to just stop play uh, in the last three seconds. Basically, gr- uh, ran over to uh, Edvige, I think, grabbed her arm, and a penalty was given, and a ra- red, card. red card was given to Gerbic. 
according to the rules. A uh, senseless decision. A senseless decision. For but it. somehow it worked out in the end. Grassadi yeah. <laughs> stepped up. Um, nerves of steel, ice in her veins, uh, put the penalty in. It went to extra time. And here we are thinking... Ah, France have to win it. Montenegro had 6.5 players. Now they have 5.5 players with Gerbic uh, getting a red card. And they just didn't. Uh, How? How did Montenegro win that extra time period? Somehow they were calm about the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, wanted to say that. I I wanted to say France was more nervous. Like, not nervous. France was focused because there was a scene after Zadi scored. Uh, Cerceno Golan went, I think, to do a, a bit of trash talk towards the Montenegro players, and then the coach like shouted at her for the next 15 seconds. So basically, the first 30 seconds after Zadi scored, they were not focused on handball. Yeah. They were not focused, hey, let's gather, let's see what we will play. The coach was focused on collecting the players because they involved this trash talk and whatever was happening with the Montenegrin players and the referees and fans. There was, again, craziness yeah. all yeah, over yeah, the place. Yeah, there was yeah. things thrown on the court, which isn't good. Yeah, never. Um, and we talked to uh, Cleopatra Darlow after the semifinal, mm-hmm. and they said that they let the referees get in their head in that yeah. semifinal against Norway. Some de- decisions went against them. And they let Norway get ahead. Uh, there wasn't any complaints I heard from any fans in that game that uh, the referees did a bad job. Mm. Uh, in this game, there was some mistakes, uh, I think. Nothing as blatant as we've seen before. But from my perspective, France should not have been... Uh, should not have allowed Montenegro to be in this game. They won by nine goals the first time they played. They have a squad that's much wider, much stronger, much younger than this Montenegrin team. And they allowed them to stick in the game. And uh, decisions, yeah, went, went either way. I actually, you know, I personally... I don't really look at referees in games like this. And I didn't notice anything just completely wrong. No, I mean, they were still making calls. I mean, were, yeah. France had a penalty to equalize. France had two penalties in extra time. One of them was missed. Yeah. yeah. That was, so, and I also didn't, I didn't understand the backcourt line. I didn't understand the, the strategy in the last, like, 10 minutes of the regular time and then in the extra time with Zeminko Zadi uh, without the left-hander on the right back. And, I mean, kudos to... Montenegro, and, and, and also kudos to Norway for stopping the line player, like for stopping Foppa, because it looked like all of the teams were better, no, both Norway and Montenegro were better prepared than France to meet their opponents than France was, because Foppa did not make a difference in any of these games. Because mm-hmm. today, Montenegro stopped her totally, and lot, let's not forget one fact. I think, it, I, I'm, I cannot remember now, I think in 10 minutes, or let's say in the first 15 minutes, Tatiana Bonovic got her second two-minute penalty. And yeah. she played until the end. How oh, is that possible? Wow. How, can you, how can you not isolate wow. her and just put, I don't know, Kanor and Zeminko every single attack? Because if you take Bonovic out, then, in my opinion, it's, yeah. it's game She was game the one over. scoring the goals. And next yeah. Year. She yeah. was the one who and, and you the spoke to her after the game yes. as well, right? Uh, yeah, and we, we'll this would be a good time to go into <laughs> yeah, we'll that conversation <laughs> yes. with Bonovic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tatiana Brnovic, first of all, it's hard to take a breath right now. Can you sum up what you're experiencing into words? Uh, I would say that I cannot believe that we are returning a medal from European Championship in Montenegro after eight years. After this match... (laughs) Sorry for this. (laughs) But really, it describes our happiness. Really, it's beyond words. We are so happy and... Satisfied, I don't know. After this incredibly difficult two and a half weeks, everything you've gone through, and then as you saw, Milena bouncing around now, but couldn't yes. play today with that neck injury. I mean, how did you find the hope and how did you find the, the inspiration to pull this off today? Uh, I mean, from this whole tournament, we were sticking together. Never, we, would, we were apart all through difficulties and with our amazing fans, which were following us uh, from home through Skopje to here. 
they were giving the bond for us also and we were finding strength in each other and also we dedicate every uh, victory for the girls uh, here for like Milena who couldn't play today also some girls who stayed home this is for them and this is something that we are really 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 proud of talk to me a little bit about the tactical approach uh, you played France just a week ago and it was a completely different game today how did you manage to keep them under control uh, first we uh, but analyzed at that last game, we had too many technical mistakes, like 22 uh, of which nine was like in their hands. It was a clear contra. So we today took it slow. When it was a clear shot for the contra, we took it. But uh, the rest, we took it easy, calm, steady attack. And we benefited from that. We gave the space for our backs and after they gave the ball all around. And I think we did a really good job. And there's been a lot of talk about the depth of the team and even with another big player missing today. But today, it was so many big contributions throughout the squad. Yes, we were running everywhere, like uh, uh, one attack, we were changing on one attack, one defense, numbers in defense, they were not there, didn't matter. We were just giving our heart out uh, with a calm and steady mind, which I think was really the, the thing was, which decided. We didn't go with our emotions, we just kept, uh, kept straight goal, which we had, and we just uh, walked towards it. Would have been really understandable if there was maybe a bit of heartbreak after that equalizing goal at the end. What did you talk about in the team? Uh, maybe you saw all of us praying like <laughs> praying like we were in church, but that was the moment we took. We hoped that it can end there, but as soon as the goal entered the net, we were just like, "It's okay. We continue. We are not surrendering now." After this big fight, it was just a small stop where we put our faith, but we didn't even think of surrendering or giving up. We just. You you look so composed as well as a team, and you were a focal point in that extra time as well in the attack. I mean, uh, how, how are you feeling as these balls are coming into you? You look so composed. Clutch. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say, really. It was like all around uh, adrenaline hitting, catching, striking. I don't know what happened in the end there, but I'm really, really happy because of this moment. You really deserve it. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank, thank, you. thank, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Before we let you go then, and before we wrap up here on the, the live stream, reflecting on the tournament as a whole from your perspective, I don't know what, what teams you followed in particular, what, what stood out for you, uh, any, any you know, teams or, or players that have really impressed you beyond what we saw this week. I mean, I'm, I'm, I must admit that even though Montenegro won the bronze medal game, it's, for me it's still impressive and a bit scary how far away are Scandinavians from, I will not say the rest of the world. I was very disappointed from Hungary, I must admit, even though they won the last game. I was expecting way more, but okay, they decided to play the entire tournament with a lot of young players. Uh, I think that Romania stepped up. Uh, it will be tricky, obviously, now when Neago is, is gone, it will be tricky to see how t this team will de develop. But for me, someone who is from the Balkans, uh, yeah, Slovenia put up a good fight, Croatia put up a good fight, but all of the three teams, I must, again, I'm a fan of Montenegro because I have a connection there and I like the country. I did not like how they played. Mm. I must yeah. admit that. that. I mean, both Montene Montenegro, Croatia and Slovenia played, I mean, Serbia, obviously, play, in my opinion, the old school handball, which is not attractive. This final game is a different level and I think we need to face, I don't want to speak about bad things. Yeah. So I, that for me, that, that's one of the key facts. Personally, how far away are the Scandinavians? Let's not forget Sweden uh, yeah. played an amazing tournament. Amazing Sweden could game. have been flying Sweden, the honorary yeah. bronze medal, yeah. right? <laughs> flying all over the place. Netherlands yeah. also with some kind of interesting squad. Polman coming back. Uh, yeah, the main main point, as Chris uh, previously said, regarding the age of the Danish players, regarding the age of the Norwegian players, the courage of both coaches to put 22, 21, 23 years old in 45th minute in the final game, that is something that I think we all need to take from this. And I must say this final day is the best commercial for handball uh, amazing bronze medal game amazing crowd because I heard a lot of stuff yeah the arena will be empty it was not empty it was not fully packed but it was not empty and the final game was just like a cherry on, yeah. on the top so I would maybe it's maybe a bit cheesy but I think it speaks volumes for women's handball in general for women's CHF Euro and yeah, it was amazing to end up the tournament like this mm -hmm. Beautiful. one of the things that I usually take away from these tournaments is just the stars and it makes me you know they stand out you mean a roberts uh nor merck uh 
many, it's just like, there's too many of them to just name. Sandra Toff, Sandra Toff, all of these right, names we've talked about. All of these names that we've been talking about throughout this competition, and you just focus in on all of these players and you realize how amazing they are. And uh, you kind of realize exactly what they're good at. How they do it, you see see them up close. This is my first ever live international women 's handball game, and sitting in um, right beside the court for Sweden versus Norway Norway it was just a shock for me because I just realized how fast, how powerful, how high they jump, how fast they throw and it's it 's something that maybe doesn 't translate fully towards TV. Humble is always more impressive in real life and you just see how incredible that is. But you just watch these stars, you follow them and you want to keep following them. So kind of going into the rest of the club season, for example, I just, you know, I have the players that have been my favorite in this tournament, which I may not have been fully, you know, conscious of in the club game. And I want to just go out and just follow them, understand how uh, they play in their own clubs, how the season progresses, and just cheer for them. Yeah. So it's, it's the stars that really stood out for me. Nice. Uh, for me then, just before, uh, we'll get Brian's as well after, after the break for the podcast listeners. Um, it seems like the, for all the big teams, a, a first step towards the Olympics for them. So in that way, it's quite exciting because, as you said, there's young squads there, some coaches being very brave in terms of developing teams. Uh, I would even put Slovenia in that category as well because for the first time it's a team, uh, not just relying on Anna Gross. And oh my goodness me, Brian Campion is coming in. Oh yeah, we'll see if he's full of energy. Join us full of away. energy. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Brian look at this! Campion look at this that. energy! A bundle of energy! A bundle of energy oh. coming in! <laughs> Perfect timing. Want to grab a seat just, and join us? Just as we're wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I would say goodbye. You're coming in. So. Oh, you stay with us yeah, until the end. Come on. We'll uh, shift over and let I Brian in. Can, uh, there's a chair back there. Oh, yeah, just a second. Can, maybe you shouldn't make a break. To shift out there. Oh, oh, we're going the other way. Nice. This, yeah, is, so one, this is great. Yeah. One for you. We had enough live <laughs> content for people. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So have a think about your impression of the oh. tournament and what is like, you know, what is standing with you now that we're at the end of it. Yeah, what, what do you take away from the yeah. tournament? And and I, what are your impressions? I'll finish my As thought. Chris does that. Um, yeah, so where was I? So teams kind of starting a new journey towards what is a shortened Olympic cycle, which makes it really interesting because a lot of, I think a lot of top players were coming to the end of things for Tokyo. Then it was delayed by a year. So there was kind of like, this development for younger players had to be halted for a year uh, so some groups of players could come to an end because it's very cyclical. So we're seeing that now with the top teams. Slovenia, a great example of that because they have all this, all this talent. And I think when you're talking about the, Montenegro, or the, the Balkan players and teams being a bit behind, I see Slovenia as like the, the great hope in that regard that they could actually play the way that's necessary to hit the top. They're not there yet, but there's, there are the, let's say, the uh, stepping uh, stones towards that. And uh, for France, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, they are already making that change. So Montenegro will have to start from the bottom, basically. They'll start all over again with the likes of Jovanka leaving. Maida Mamedovic, is, she was replaced very well at this championship. So seeing this new generation of players coming through for the first time is very exciting. We had... We could have had an amazing young player category for this championship, yeah. and uh, already a bunch of them are in the all-star team, so it's almost yeah. not needed. Uh, so yeah, and, and then there's the likes of, of Switzerland, who, you know, they're going to host the European Championship in two years to be one of the co-hosts, and they've shown with a bunch of 17 and 18-year-olds that they can they can play a bit of handball. They can do a well. better job than North Macedonia. They can do a better <laughs> job than North Macedonia, <laughs> which is not so, hard. Yeah, for me, it was a lot of a lot of new faces in that way. Um, a, a new generation for teams and, and teams having to adapt handball as well and I think Denmark and Norway our finalists today have shown just how much that is necessary for the rest of Europe and the rest of the world to, uh, to start thinking as well so exciting times in that regard for the sport that's very nice <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, my conclusion would be 
It's very hard to admit this now, but uh, France weren't tested. <laughs> <laughs> I can really admit now that France definitely weren't tested in their group in Scotia. And uh, no, for me, uh, the bronze medal match was the highlight of the day. I know that sounds weird to say that, but no, no, I don't you, know if you were just saying earlier. No. It was absolutely incredible. Like the they that those Montenegro players gave absolutely every shred of energy. Jakovic was crying lots of the game. Yeah, yeah there was. was uh, it seems like Marta Batinovic as well. Like every save she, she made, like, yeah, she yeah. collapsed. <laughs> like they played at was 110% the whole game, and it took them every bit of every handball they know from when they started playing when they were nine years old <laughs> to get over the line today. And it was an absolute struggle, and it was such a pleasure to be in the arena and see that. And that was just an amazing thing to, to witness. And the scenes after was just limbs everywhere coaches falling Popovich falling all over the floor got tripped <laughs> and she was celebrating <laughs> fell backwards <laughs> oh. Oh, look if you can he, handle another fall this uh, yeah. uh, would be good to have that on, on your SD card hopefully it's on the other SD card yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I know it's just like that was that was the highlight of the whole tournament for me was Montenegro mm-hmm. winning bronze and as you said uh, Chris the, the fact that Norway brought in so many new players and then were able to bounce back from beating Denmark. I think it felt inevitable the whole game, really. I was like, even though when they were down the first half, I was kind of thinking, this is... Isn't it annoying? Is it, it annoying really that we were all yeah. thinking that? Yeah. How annoying is that? How annoyingly good are Norway? It was annoyingly good, and also how... I kind of feel they felt that as well. They didn't ever seem that stressed. They are just kind of like, we're, it, this is a long game of 60 minutes. When it hits 45 minutes, we're going to get back into it. And it, they pretty much did then. Yeah. And... And what was your, what was your, where, where were you? What were you doing during the game? Where were you? What did you pick up? Because I think you always have a, an interesting insight based on where you are and whether it's benches, whether it's the crowd, what were the, the vibes you were feeling down court side? For the final? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, as I said, I think the just calmness from the, the Norway bench, I felt like they felt it enough experience there with those core players to get back into it. And... I was that last or second last goal that Norway scored when it kind of just sealed the deal, and Norm Mork did a, a knee slide basically off the court right up into the camera, and was shouting her head off, and it was right place, right time. Wow! And you can see that on Instagram stories if you go check it out. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, one of my favourite shots I think of the the whole tournament. It was good right, fun. Yeah. It was just, but it just had to be. I was in the right place, and she just did a knee slide right in front of me. And you were you were down there uh, after the, with the celebrations as well, and uh, after the, the trophy being handed out, we were up here. So what were you saying? What were you feeling? Um, I, just, I mean, the, the celebrations were way bigger for the bronze medal. Yeah, I mean, they were quite they were quite big for the norm the Nor one, but it was it, you know the Nor have been here a lot a lot of times before, and those players have won this a few times already. A lot of them. And was that you in the dressing room? Or was it someone else? No, I think Nagore was there. I was in Nagore. Yeah, shortly, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't the biggest celebration I've ever seen. A lot, <laughs> of, relief, a lot of relief. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think uh, if that was a Danish uh, locker room, we would have seen some, something a bit more spectacular. Mm. Yeah. I know, but it was, yeah, I mean, they were obviously, obviously delighted, but I, you just, I felt like after the bronze medal match, everything dipped a little bit. In terms of like, <laughs> but like the energy, it just got sapped. It, it reminded yeah. me of, was it the semi final? at the men's EHF Euro 2022 where it was Croatia against are you talking about 2020 when Croatia beat Norway 2020 sorry 2020 when Croatia Croatia beat Norway Norway, after that epic game double extra time by every means of chance (laughs) and then there was a game after that and it was just like (laughs) no one could even watch that game because (laughs) everyone was so exhausted that they couldn't even watch that game everyone had to go go outside and go for a smoke or something Uh, right. so uh, favourite I mean we've interviewed about 40 players over the course of this championship which has been amazing also in terms of revealing the personalities favourite person you've heard from during this championship Alex for me the best one I think was Cleopatra Darlow after the loss at yes, the media call um, just very reflected and a great insight into Normark's penalty game I think that was 
It was nice to hear that. Mm. I'm going to go all the way back to our first preview podcast where we spoke to Jaukovic and Radicevic, mm. two players that were just the absolute stars of this tournament. And I have never seen a more physically beaten up person than Jaukovic in those last seconds of that bronze medal match. She was, I don't know how, at one stage she got a huge bang on the floor. Uh, I think her head fell, her neck was being supported by the physio. I was thinking, okay, that's it. This is, you know, she has to <laughs> yeah. come off. Two minutes later. Two minutes later, she's on the court again. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And what are you made goal. of? And she made the score the final goal and yeah. she still kept going. So it was incredible. And kind of looking back on that interview, uh, I don't know, I didn't kind of read into that kind of warrior spirit from she didn't come across that way you know we know she's a fantastic player but she was almost a little bit shy and kind of she was the young player sitting beside a legend and now she is a legend herself so it's kind of this growth uh for her that's the that's the best we've ever seen her play though no oh yeah hands down yeah let's not forget that she's coming back from a knee injury yeah I remember yeah. that I, I think I said in, in some Twitch preview show, yeah, Jokovic will play probably good and important role in their comments. Yeah, but she's coming back. She doesn't play so good for Brest, even though she did. I mean, Brest is not playing good, but she yeah. plays good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this uh, is an actual quote. Jokovic, uh, probably, so from yeah. Women's Handball, Jokovic. But it yeah, if, yeah, if they had turn off, torn off my leg, I would have gone back and hopped on one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Because we joked with... with Ivanka uh, Radicevic that it was kind of like this farewell tour was a tour like a, a tour of her career as well because it started in uh, in Pogorica where her you know, 122 decibels yeah. was the noise made by That's the Montenegrin it. fans in that arena moved on to Skopje where she had those years with Vardar and like was played this short lived legendary team and then here in Ljubljana Krim her current club and uh, it was this amazing farewell journey for her. She played so well, and just that lobbed penalty as well, an extra time where she dropped it over the head of yeah. Dalla. Just like she lived up to every expectation, and uh, yeah, great story for her as well. Do you find like you were you were joking with me? What do Montenegro need to do to win a medal? You are always saying, like, I, "You doubting them every step of the way." Do you finally believe in them now? I, I now just over? I, I believe. <laughs> in the beauty of sport now because I think I was a little bit too cold and too analytical with some of my predictions of the better team the better squad the player better players will win but the beauty of sport is that having the energy having something to play for having fans having just the fire inside you does give you 20 extra percent and those 20 extra percent get you a bronze medal so uh yeah. i just I, I believe in uh sport there you go <laughs> that's a nice i mean the next time you see montenegro you could see them in a friendly against um poland getting absolutely hockeyed yeah yeah you exactly know, <laughs> and they have that in and then to do that as well yeah. but yeah. then when it really comes down to it at a final tournament they found a way i don't know there's something about those balkan nations they can really dig into a different yeah the, fa- the fans helped today the fans yeah. helped massively yeah. today yeah. they they yeah. gave them the energy that they desperately needed, in my opinion. My favorite thing about the Montenegro fans in the arena is when you're like, oh, there's none of them here. And then all of a sudden, it's like the bus pulls up and they all walk in together and all that come in through all the different entrances singing. And it's just like, it's unlike any other fan base. The French people come in, they all come in once, by twos, and they all eventually fill up. But it's like literally a bus pulled up and they're all coming in. Obviously, they were all together outside somewhere partying, but like, I love it because it's like, oh, here they are. (laughs) The whole arena just changes. We just need to find where the after party is for the Montenegrin fans. Oh, my goodness. The team is traveling back to Montenegro, even though there are some. I mean, I didn't want to say, or maybe I want to say that they, there's a huge national pride for Montenegro. A lot of things that people don't know, the political situation is not so good there. So I think this team played like additional 20, 30 percent for the people there to show them. Because yeah, I, I know that I know by fact that until yesterday evening there were negotiations if their plane will be able to land in Podgorica tonight after 11 o'clock. So wow. like we are speaking about stuff which are. Mm. which are not easy. I think also that gave them energy and 
coming back, I mean, they played extra time without Rajic and without Grbic. Yeah. And they still won with Brnovic yeah. again with two minutes penalty with mm. uh, yeah. one, one seventh of Jaukovic on the court. Yeah. <laughs> Healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that kudos for that, really. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, full kudos and, uh, to all of our medalists. And uh, we'll have to save the, the France talk another day when they finally get tested and come through a test <laughs> right Brian yes exactly. and, uh, I think now with the the hour almost reaching half past 11 and uh, I think we can wrap it up here any final words from anyone um, has it, have, the, have the people at home ever seen what Clemens Cle- looks like oh Clemens oh, yeah. has been on stream a couple of times oh, yes, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Clemens uh, brought the trophy on at one yes. point and then he brought uh, me and Alex some nice refreshing Herbal teas <laughs> watch along for the second game so Clements has popped up a couple of times would you bring him on one last time to say goodbye come on Clements come up here go on go on no no everyone has seen you but no one has heard your voice so uh Favorite. It's going to be a mystery. Clements your favorite moment of the tournament that you saw every single minute of Oh yeah, it's every to the every. Mic, every will you? <laughs> <laughs> it was the professional. Uh, favorite moment, uh, probably uh, the next two hours tearing down the studio, uh, sweating uh, in the suit and shirt, and then uh, not going to bed afterwards. A few more teas, and then a few more teas. All right, I think we can wrap it up there from the podcast side. Also from Twitch, the home of handball. That's it, Alex. You started all of this on Twitch at this championship. You, t- you so wrap sing it us all out. up. Sing us out. Well, what's the Montenegro national anthem? <laughs> <laughs> the end is near. <laughs> no, we'll leave it there. Uh, great tournament. Uh, worthy winners. Disappointment uh, for Denmark. But and joy for, for Montenegro. <laughs> From me, Alex Kulesh, Chris O'Reilly, Brian Campion, and our special guests, Nejad Smaljagic. Goodbye. Sugar good now, bring it nowhere. Kiss to them, pump it, be done like a star. I feel like I'm no more Come on, the dragon's a lost smooth operator. I saw the sign coming high. Been a dimmy, dimmy white. Business for me is all of my chicas. Come and say, you're so Yo soy la, yo soy la luz de mi vida, I must love.